0: Hi, I'm Paul Havershood, host of The Cost of Living. It's a show about money and how it shapes our lives. In big ways, like why inflation could get worse if we all make more money. Here's the hard truth in all of this. Workers are gonna have to eat that real wage loss. And small ways, like what's the fastest way to order fast food? That first Big Mac that comes out of the kitchen is going to the drive-thru. Check out The Cost of Living. We're on CBC Listen or wherever you get podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to The Dose. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman.
1: Hi, Sarah. Hi, Brian. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me on the show. So my name is Sarah Conifal. I'm a research and policy analyst at the Canadian Centre on Substance Use and Addiction, located in Ottawa.
0: Here in Toronto, it feels like every second store is a pot shop. I can tell you that in the neighbourhood where I live, two opened up in the last few weeks. There are a lot of them, and weed is a big business. Legal cannabis sales doubled last year in Canada. Surveys say Canadians have upped their cannabis use during the pandemic. So is there a safe level of cannabis use, and what are the risks And if you are going to use cannabis, are there ways to reduce your risk? And Sarah Conifle is here to help answer this. So let's start with some numbers. How much cannabis are Canadians using now during the pandemic?
1: So as of January 2021, uh, about 16% of Canadians reported using cannabis in the past 30 days. So among those who do use cannabis, most of that is occasional use. Um, There's a much smaller percentage, under 5% who uh, report, you know, daily or near daily cannabis use. And then in terms of of methods of consumption, smoking cannabis is still the most common, um, but edibles, especially since legalization of those at the end of 2019, do appear to be becoming more popular.
0: We know from data that was uh, supplied by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health that alcohol consumption is palpably, obviously up during the pandemic. Can we say the same thing about marijuana?
1: Uh, yeah, the short answer is, is yes, yes. So about a 35% increase in cannabis use among those who, who already used cannabis before the pandemic.
0: Do we know why cannabis use is up 35% during the pandemic?
1: Yeah, so survey data shows that, especially early on in the pandemic, Uh, The main reasons that were why people were saying they were using cannabis more frequently were uh, stress, boredom, and loneliness. And I guess it's worthwhile noting that actually since January of this year, the percent of people who, who do report an increase in use in the past month is actually decreasing compared to when those surveys were done in 2020. So You know, it seems like maybe some of those early impacts in terms of stress, lockdowns of the pandemic might be a little bit less.
0: So let's do a little cannabis 101 before we get to the risks of uh, cannabis use in general. There's THC and there's CBD. Remind us what THC is.
1: THC stands for tetrahydrocannabinol. That's the main psychoactive Cannabinoids. So, cannabinoid is basically there's actually a whole bunch that are found in the cannabis plant 80, 90, or even more different ones. And so, that's one of the reasons it's actually very challenging to study cannabis because it's not really one substance that you're looking at, it's actually a whole bunch. But THC is the one that people focus on, as this is the one that leads to the feeling of uh, the high feeling that uh, happens when people use cannabis. And it's also the main molecule that is linked to certain harms, uh, especially mental health, adverse mental health outcomes. So it's the molecule that um, researchers have focused on and regulators in terms like when cannabis became legal, that regulators have focused on in terms of making sure that THC levels are below a a certain amount.
0: And then, of course, there is uh, cannabidiol or CBD. And in contrast to THC, when people talk about CBD, they talk about the Health benefits, and, and there are a lot of alleged benefits. There may be some real benefits. What's your
1: take? It's interesting. Yeah, people always want to know about the benefits of cannabis. I guess you probably, as just like a comparison, no one really asks about the benefits of alcohol, and especially research has shown that even for moderate levels of alcohol intake you know, there's a few studies here and there that will show beneficial effects on heart health or, or things like that. But then if you look at the big picture, those are always kind of blocked out by the overall amount of evidence that shows that overall alcohol doesn't, you know, in terms of, you know, uh, scientific evidence for health impacts doesn't really have any benefits. So with cannabis, it's it's kind of similar. Um, there's not a lot of evidence to show that there are any benefits, but at the same time, the flip side of that is that there's really no evidence to show that occasional use, for example, uh, leads to any long-term impacts. You know, if you ask among Canadians who do use cannabis, about one in three will say that they're using it for medical purposes, but there's that's, you know, their perception that they're using it for medical purposes, but not necessarily, you know, scientific reasons for medical purposes, and especially for mental health. So a lot of people will say they're using it for, oh, they have anxiety symptoms or symptoms of depression. But actually what the scientific literature shows is that overall there's, there's either no positive impacts on those symptoms from using cannabis or they actually make symptoms worse.
0: And, uh, you know, we're not here to talk about alcohol, but I just have to say that I'm old enough to remember the French paradox and resveratrol and the idea that, 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 that red wines were, were good for your health. And I know that a lot of those studies have been called into, into question. And, and that what that means is that we have to constantly be aware of what the Potential benefits are, if there are any, and and what the harms are, so that we can we can make rational decisions about the risk benefit ratio, and uh, when it comes to to any psychoactive substance. But of course, we're here to talk about cannabis. So let me ask you first of all, how do you define occasional use of of cannabis?
1: Yeah. So um, occasional use is usually determined by uh, one to four times a month maybe one to three, one to four times a month or less. So once you start getting into the weekly, so maybe two to th- three times a week to daily or almost daily, that's when the literature shows that uh, whatever risks health risks there are, they're really going up.
0: And, you know, you, you've reminded me of something. There is an official definition for binge drinking. Is there such a thing as binge uh, mar- uh, cannabis use?
1: There isn't. So, I, yeah, I, th- I would say the, the closest thing is the daily or near daily use. And then I would also add the, like, second level of risk is kind of determined by the type of cannabis you're using. So if you're using daily, near daily use, there's still a lot of variability in that. So it could be one joint with very small amount of dried flour in it that you're using every day, and that's going to be different than someone else's daily or near daily use that might be maybe they're using concentrates that are from an illicit source that have, you know, 80 or 90% THC in them. And so that person's daily, near daily risk is going to be different um one of the advantages that alcohol kind of public health messaging around determining risk has is that there's like a standard drink you know it's easy to standardize the amount of alcohol and it's it's a lot more challenging to standardize a dose of cannabis
0: so what's a safe level of use particularly from the standpoint of thc
1: so for example health canada um so all of any health canada regulated products that are purchased legally in Canada again, so dried flour is going to have 10% or less of THC. So, you know, they've determined that as a, as a safe, safer amount, at least. And then for edibles, you know, the limit is 10 milligrams per unit or per package. But then it's also suggested that for that that people start with 2.5 milligrams THC. The safest approach would be to start with just a lower amount of a concentration or proportion of THC and then slowly move up to, you know, maybe the upper limit of what's been determined to be safe.
0: We're going to take a short break, but we'll be back in a moment. Now it's interesting. You've raised an interesting point. You mentioned ten percent uh, THC, I, and and you know I I've certainly have heard all of these, all the talk about this is not your grandmother's or grandfather's uh, uh, cannabis. I thought the percentages were much higher than ten percent these days that people were using.
1: So yeah, before legalization, I don't have any data in terms of what you know if for. Non-legal sources of cannabis, of like dried flower, right now, um, but at least up until the mid-2000s, um, the percent of THC that was in in most of dried flower p- products in North America, including Canada, were in the range of eight to up to twenty percent, or even twenty-five percent. And then in the 80s, around the 80s, the average range of THC concentration in dried flower products were more in the range of 5% or or less.
0: So certainly buying from a legal source uh, which is what we're going to recommend on the dose, you know, especially the doses is produced by a public podcaster, but but does it does the fact that legal that legal cannabis sold in 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 legal stores uh, has lower concentrations. Does that mean that more people are are buying on the black market to to get the concentrations that they that they seek?
1: Um, there might be certain populations that that might be occurring, uh, especially you know if people are looking for. To use these high concentration products, to uh, I think you know they're called one of them is called Shatter, synthetic cannabis products. But at least in terms of the general population, um, since legalization, there has been a continual increase in the proportion of people who are using cannabis who are obtaining their cannabis from legal sources, and and this has held true throughout the pandemic. Um, in terms of, you know, the goals of the Cannabis Act and, and cannabis legalization, that's uh, pretty promising, I would say.
0: Indeed, that is a, that's a very welcome social development. Um, and and uh, you know certainly uh, to proponents of legalization, uh, you know this would be one of the strongest arguments for for maintaining uh, a framework of legal uh, cannabis use in this country. Now I want to ask you, as I I want to put my hat on as an emergency physician, I am well aware of the harms from cannabis use, things like confusion, anxiety, paranoia, uh, panic, fast heart rate. I've seen all of them. In the emergency department, we're talking about toxicity from THC, aren't we?
1: So, just to lend a statistic, easy statistic to sort of what you're talking about, if you look at ER presentations or hospitalizations for cannabis-related conditions, including acute psychiatric conditions, uh, between 2006 and 2015. So, even during that time frame, pre-legalization, hospitalizations uh, doubled. Uh, overall more pronounced among younger males who also are the largest demographic who use cannabis there is also a recent report looking at specifically hospitalizations that are due to uh, substance use and cannabis is the main substance that causes the, that leads to hospitalizations among people who are between the ages of 10 and 24 Edibles seem like accidental consumption of edibles and accidental overintoxication and of those products seems to be underlying that
0: now a lot of people are surprised to learn that you can get addicted to cannabis i certainly am not surprised because i I've, I've known that for a long time how common is it though to develop a substance dependence uh, to cannabis
1: so cannabis use disorder is defined as a problematic pattern of use that can, that leads to clinically significant impairment or distress. Then um, there's a whole list. I think there's about eleven criteria for someone to that for in order for someone to meet the criteria for diagnosis and. Data show that a lot of people do meet the criteria but are not necessarily diagnosed. So a couple of the criteria are, for example, using more cannabis than intended, trying unsuccessfully to control use, failing to fulfill major obligations at work, home, or school because they're using cannabis, as well as, for example, using cannabis in, you know, physically hazardous situations. So in in terms of how many people are affected by cannabis use disorder, um, there's not really any national... Canadian-level statistics, uh, at least not any that are recent. But just to give you an idea, there was a fairly recent study among first-year college students in the United States, and about 24% of this population who had used cannabis developed a cannabis use disorder, and another 33% met the criteria for a cannabis use disorder but were undiagnosed.
0: That's huge. Yeah. And do we think that's going to be worse as a result of the pandemic?
1: So certainly if we look at... You know which demographics are using more cannabis during the pandemic as uh, youth aged eighteen to twenty four or eighteen to thirty uh, depending on what survey you look at are the demographic one of the demographics that are the most likely to report an increase in use so that would suggest that certainly and a demo, like an area of concern in terms of you know increased use among youth who who also happen to be a population who are at the one of the highest risks for some of the adverse outcomes from using cannabis regularly.
0: There are Canadian guidelines for lowering the risks of non-medical cannabis use. What are some of the key recommendations?
1: Key recommendations revolve around the age of initial use, kind of methods and practices that people use, as well as the frequency and intensity of use, as well as certain behaviors like avoiding cannabis use and driving. One of the recommendations is, if possible, uh, you know, delaying the initiation of cannabis use beyond the ages of 16 or 17 have been shown to be really beneficial in reducing risks for poor mental uh, mental health outcomes in particular, but as well as physical health outcomes. And then, you know, if you do decide to, someone does decide to use cannabis, you can choose products that have lower THC content, certainly avoiding synthetic cannabinoids. You know, these typically have very high concentrations of THC. And yeah, there's definitely some benefits to, you know, if you are of a legal age to use cannabis. Legal products, uh, another advantage. So if you're using, if you're vaping, for example, you can be more sure that there aren't harmful uh, chemicals that might lead to serious lung damage if the product you're purchasing is from a legal source. And then also going back to what we mentioned earlier, avoiding kind of more frequent or intensive cannabis use can also help reduce risk of, of some of some outcomes.
0: Now, when it comes to trying to figure out the least harmful way of ingesting cannabis, I am frankly confused these days because, you know, I, you know, certainly as a physician, I'm not going to recommend that you smoke cannabis, you know, that you smoke weed because of the impact on on the lungs. But on the other hand, I know that it can be very surprisingly dangerous for people to to consume edibles. Uh, You just mentioned vaping. Uh, and I have concerns about that. So, so what is the safest way to ingest cannabis?
1: Yeah. So basically, as you just mentioned, any method of cannabis consumption kind of carries with it its different risks. And so, if you, I think it's important that people think about well, what risks are they at more more likely to experience? So, for example, if someone has asthma or some you know lung condition, then well, yeah, it's probably best if you avoid smoking and vaping as well. So there is a, a misconception that vaping is safe because, you know, a lot of public health messaging will say it's safer than uh, smoking, and that's in part just because it, it doesn't have as many of the carcinogens from, the, from smoking. But it, it's still not 100% safe, and that's probably, well, along with edibles, there's there's not a lot of research looking at the long-term, especially long-term uh, impacts of these methods of consumption. And then edibles, it's, it's important that people realize that you, you won't feel the effects uh, immediately. So, you know, uh, full effects can peak within four hours after uh, consuming uh, edible cannabis.
0: Since you mentioned edibles, what is the advice around edibles, especially if you've never consumed them before?
1: The main saying that you'll hear is start low and go slow. So it's suggested that people start with about 2.5 milligrams or, or less and kind of follow that through to see what their reaction is. And then um, either, you know, stay at a lower level or or increase very gradually and then you know health canada edible products are limited to 10 milligrams per unit or per package so that's kind of considered kind of the upper limit of of safety um after you know you you don't want to aim for that your first time for sure
0: thank you very much for speaking with us
1: uh thanks for having me
0: sarah conifal is a research and policy analyst with the canadian center on substance use and addiction in ottawa We don't have good canadian statistics but cannabis use is likely up a fair amount during the pandemic contrary to popular belief you can become addicted to cannabis regular daily consumption is a risk factor for cannabis dependence disorder here's your dose of smart advice try to limit your consumption of cannabis products to a few times per month Buy legal marijuana from an authorized shop because the amount of thc is limited to small safer concentrations Black market cannabis is more dangerous to consume because concentrations can be much higher. Avoid synthetic THC products because they contain upwards of 80% THC. Smoking, vaping, and edibles each have their own unique harms. Smoking is not good for your lungs. If you want to try edibles, remember they take up to four hours to cause peak effect. So start low and go slow. Teenagers should delay using cannabis for as long as possible for brain development. Finally, do not drive while under the influence of cannabis. If you have topics you'd like to hear on The Dose or questions you'd like answered, email us at thedose at cbc.ca. You can also tweet me at nightshiftmd or at CBC White Coat using the hashtag #thedosecbc. You can find The Dose and White Coat Black Art wherever you get your podcasts. Please do us a favor and rate our shows highly so more people can find us. This edition of The Dose was produced by Willow Smith with digital support from Fabiola Carletti. Thanks to Gary Francis for technical support. The Dose wants you to be better informed about your health. But if you're looking for medical advice, see your health provider. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Until your next dose.
1: For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.